Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Hey, uh. Duncan. Hey there. And Jeff. Yellow, but not as yellow as Duncan's shirt. My shirt is very yellow. <laughs> it's a beautiful yellow. It's like mustard yellow. The live yellow. streamers will get that. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Check our Twitch stream archive. So <laughs> Duncan's shirt. Well, we have uh, some follow-up comments on currently airing anime, uh, Bakarina, Fruits Basket, and Kakushi Goto. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff will be talking about Medica Box. I will be talking more about Battle Athletes Victory and Sailor Moon, although that will be partially uh, for our spotlight topic on Magical Girl anime. But to start off with, let's go ahead and have Andy talk about a movie his favorite movie <laughs> it's not my favorite movie uh, that's what someone who's it's their favorite movie would say though so. yeah that is true that is true but i doubt this is anybody's um favorite movie uh i watched dragon quest your story which is on uh, netflix at the moment um mostly because it looked very pretty and um <laughs> i've kind of and been in a you bit, were fooled <laughs> and i was fooled i mean i wasn't fooled it was very pretty uh, I guess spoiler alert because I am going to ruin this movie to filth um, because it's it's one of those things where it starts off and it's fine. It's it's a retelling of Dragon Quest V, Hand of the Heavenly Bride. Um, is with... it a popular one or is it just oh. a random one? I thought that was one of the <laughs> popular ones. I believe it's on the SNES. I could be wrong. So it's not one um, you've played? I have not played it, but I do know that it involves like the... It was kind of cool at the time because you play a character who is not the hero, the legendary hero, to defeat the uh, evil lord um, Genma uh, or Gemma. It's he, you're actually the father of the son. So you you start off thinking you're the you're the hero. You then fall in love. You then have a kid, and that kid is the actual hero. So it's kind of a fun like twist on the hero's That's tale, neat, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Apart from in the well, in the anime, and I don't know whether this is in the story, that your main character, Luca, uh, he he gets frozen in stone for, like, <laughs> ten years uh, as the kid grows up. And then it's all done by his perspective. So it just time skips ten years. And then the kid's like, finally, I can revive you with a fucking whatever Medusa tear or whatever the fuck it is that you revive people with. Did... did- were they afraid that people wouldn't be interested in like watching a hero father raise a hero son? Because that seems like a bad idea. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I honestly, I, I feel I don't like know. like JRPG time skips is just like such a well worn trope at this point. I don't know if this mm, one like yeah, invented it, but like you gotta love. I the mean, time I skip. get, I get the feeling that that doesn't happen in part five because I think a lot of it is exactly that, like looking up, like leveling up your kid. Uh, and sort of like watching him grow older. Um, so I think that is actually something that doesn't happen in the game. But what does happen is... the, the So, like, the story is fine up until that point. Like, you you have a bunch of fun cast. You have, like, Flora, who's, like, the um, the queen. And she there's, like, a love, inter- like, so love triangle between Luca, the main character, Bianca, the another female main character, and Flora... And, you know, he has to choose which one of those two girls he wants to marry um, and then chooses Bianca for no other real reason apart from, eh, why not? 
Was um, she the first girl he met? <laughs> yes, I think, I think there you go. she was. But Good she was more the child... It's weird. They were kind of both childhood friends. And then... Doesn't matter. Like, they just... It was just chosen. I think in the game you can actually choose between the two. Uh, um, so, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the guy gets frozen. And he has a cast. Like, he has a, a saber-toothed tiger who's sort of like his pet, and this weird blue slime called uh, Hold Your Horses. He's got a really stupid name, uh, Gutrude, because um, oh, blue slimes have stupid names. Um, Gutrude is uh, like this, just like a normal blue slime, but he just really follows him around, and for some reason he's just like, I guess I'll just leave the blue slime to be cute and do nothing. And then it happens, like, and then it, you know, it does your normal expected hero's like arc where he fights the evil bad guy and then he's just about to land the killing blow on the bad guy and then all the textures come off because it's all in 3d cg all the texture it just pauses and then all the textures come off so it goes to like white it just is like then white 3d models and then it goes to sort of like um like polygon mapping and all this kind of weird shit and you're like what the fuck is going on and then it turns out that he's actually a virus that's been uploaded to a game that a different person is playing a VR simulation where you lose all your memories and you're actually playing a game from scratch as a, like a and you're not even Luca you're actually just a random guy who's gone in to play a video game at what looked like a weird theme park where you just step into like a matrix goo bubble and uh like adopt this personality and you're like sorry sorry what the what like (laughs) it's such a weird flex to have in the middle like the last the three quarters of the movie which is a a very solid like dragon quest story to then throw in this fucking odd like it, this odd, like, real, actually, you are playing a Dragon Quest game. This isn't a movie. This is a game of a video. It's your um, story. It's your story, yeah. Uh, it even goes into the fact that, like, the guy, as he's about to get into the goo capsule, is like, ooh, which one am I going to pick? Bianca or the or uh, Bianca or Flora? And you're just like, I don't... Why are you, why so, are you doing this? Sort so of like, basically... <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've completely under undermined any sort of emotional connection you, you build to the, the choices and just go, nah, you could have picked either. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, pretty much. And then this goo. So then it's all sort of like breaking down because this virus has been uploaded to a game because I guess dickheads like to break games. Yeah, um, and that's then, true at least. And then out of nowhere... This supporting blue slime just comes out and was like, ah, I've been the antivirus all along. <laughs> and you're, you're actually, if you use me, you can defeat the ultimate bad guy, which is this evil bug that's going also to ruin the game. And, and then he realizes everything that's going on, defeats the evil guy, the world is saved. And then there's literally a point where it's like, well, I could stay here forever. Or I could finish the game. <laughs> and he's like, guess I'll finish the game then. It's fucking uh, weird. Uh, it's like, a f- fine movie, but then a strange, unnecessary twist at the end yeah. just makes it bad. 
if 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 that hadn't happened, would you have quite enjoyed the twist of switch from dad to son? Did you did you know yeah. that part was coming? No, I didn't. I didn't know it was a retelling of like one of the Dragon Quest games because I'm not a big Dragon Quest fan. I've played a few of them, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they're fun. Um, but you know, like it would have been fine for me. I think everyone would have wouldn't have been too upset if they'd just like had, like you said, just an honest to god retelling of the story, or even just an original Dragon Quest story. But instead, they put this weird extra layer on top of it, yeah. <laughs> which is weird. Well, it it does prove once and for all everything has to become an isekai. <clears throat> it is yeah. twenty twenty after all. They yeah. they couldn't let yeah. that go. It, Fantasy it, stories boring. How about modern day stories with an alternate world set up? Yeah, is that a just... segue, Ben? Is that a segue? <laughs> I mean, we just already said everything is isekai, so sure, True. why not? <laughs> Could In be a segue to anything. If, if you like Dragon Quest, give it a watch. If you don't, then just avoid it because it's odd. You sound like, like you kind of hate it, though, Andy. Just putting it out there. I, I, well, like you said, like I wouldn't have hated it if it didn't have this really odd ending, and it wasn't like a fun switch because. Dragon Quest very much is not about like odd twists or strange mm-hmm. endings. It's very much about sort of like doing these really baroque and simple but enjoyable things. And it's sort of like the whole Dragon Quest feeling right now, especially in Eleven, is sort of like going back into a game that you know and love and sort of exploring like basically a traditional ass jrpg made by a guy made by you know which is made because j dragon quest is one of the is the first jrpg and is beloved by everyone so it's just very strange that they added they thought well we can't just tell the same story for a game that everybody loves we have to add something different and then the thing they added was just a bad idea just just strange, just very strange, yeah. and I don't it's, know why they did it. <laughs> it's really weird that they use Dragon Quest for that because, like, like you said, like it, these days, it's almost subversive in its like insistence on not being subversive in any way. It's like if you played Dragon exactly. Quest in 1989, you will not be like you will be you will be impressed by the increase in production value, but everything else will be like, <laughs> oh, I guess we're just like still doing the exact same thing 30 years later. <laughs> exactly, which I mean. Like, I get it. it. It's, I guess you could call it the Disney of JRPGs. Like, you know what you're getting and it's going to tell you a very nice, or I guess maybe even Simpsons will be better because I guess Disney's not done anything. But then no Simpsons. But you know what I mean? It's like taking a warm bath. I think it's satisfying. It's it's predictable. We use the warm bath metaphor so many times on this podcast. <laughs> it needs to get banned, I think. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. Let's stay away from that. Um, but no, it's 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 odd it's just an odd movie it's just like i was enjoying it and then this thing happened and i was like oh the twist happened and i just didn't understand why they needed that twist mm-hmm. um just kind of put a sour note on it i guess so should we talk about something which has a twist which we do like or <laughs> <laughs> well, at least i like it anyway. I, don't, I don't i don't i don't know what that would what that yeah. would be duncan what, what that, would that, that would be, be um uh, as you call it, anyway, Ben Bakovina, which is my next life as a villainess. Um, All routes lead to doom. Yep, <laughs> we had to get the full on. But yeah, it can. I've continued to watch that and it's continued to be del- delightful. But it's last couple of weeks, like 
last time we 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 touched base, like I'd been watching Fruit Baskets and this this and Fruit Baskets is a very traditional harem anime, and this is kind of a subversion of them. And at the time, they were both kind of the same, both being oh, we're just like very um, everyone's happy in that, and then. Fruit Basket's last few episodes has been slowly going back to the bad bad tropes of that, being very... Uh, people being insecure and dra- drama-hungry and, like, br- everyone being broken in different ways. And Baccarina's just not that. Baccarina's entire first arc is, OK, I fixed everyone now. A- excellent, everyone's OK. All your childhood... Traumas have been avoided. You're no long, longer the, a loner or this um, playboy. You're just a nice person now. And then, and so we've had this like divergence of paths where Bakuin is just everyone's nice now, and uh, Fruit Baskets is everyone's a little bit shitty inside, but they'll they'll be okay. And it's, it's it, I think it's making me like Bakuin more because like that's what I want at the moment. I just want this happy little adventure off where even on an episode where everyone gets dragged into a book where they will will, will live out their their desires with the the heroine i I still end up laughing uh, uh, the most at at like the 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 one guy who's so pu- ends up so pure that that his his one desire with his the heroine is just to play sit and play the piano for her and he's yeah. he's completely confused like why are the rest of you blushing about your experiences is in the book with her like all all we did was just like hang out and they're like yeah we just hung yeah. out yeah yeah just just hanging out being friends <laughs> and then and then. And then it actually had a nice little twist by actually giving him probably the the closest to a proper romantic moment any of them have had in the series so far, and it was it was kind of sweet. Like <laughs> the 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 one guy who's 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 not completely a, a horn dog for her actually <laughs> gets gets a romantic moment, and, and of course they have the the comedy of 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 his fiance who's been spent the last 10 years making sure he's oblivious of his feelings for for Katarina running towards them going no <laughs> <laughs> I love that dumb shit have you enjoyed you and have you enjoyed it, it still Ben yeah I mean I like it I don't I still don't can't really unlock how I feel about the pacing but like every episode on its own is just kind of like pleasant and it is nice to watch this this oblivious but like ultimately kind-hearted ojo sama Mm -hmm. uh just like navigate her way around a magic school and an army of people both male and female who are just so thirsty for her (laughs) uh and she has no idea and may not have not i mean depending on how this ends it may have the kind of like chaste like no no win harem ending although i doubt that that's a bit a bit old-fashioned these days like i don't do you care about spoilers for the manga or not? I assume you don't. I mean, I don't, but like, also, don't feel you need to fill me in. Okay. It's going to be over in three weeks anyway. It's true. So. <laughs> it'll be it'll be done pretty soon. And like, we've had, I think it's had a a good arc with some like a couple of like, but both with that moment with um, uh, is it Alan's the the yeah. The is it Alan or Keith? No, Keith's the brother. Alan is Keith's the brother. Alan's the the, sh- 
the the, the, second, the, the younger son who's been overshadowed yeah. and like he he like him getting a nice moment and also having the episode where we get a flashback to the world they come from and the pos- and the fact that one of her best friends uh maria is possibly the reincarnation of her her friend from uh the the um the real world and yeah and that, and that that was actually really well done that could have been really clumsy but it actually was it's quite quite like, sweet's an overused word but it was, it was it was it was it had it was emotional without being over cloying or just trying too hard almost I like sweet's the best word i can use just because it's like has an impact but wasn't overdone although i i, I did like i do i do wonder if like that's like just to create a, the the otp for, for 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 the for the the show and uh just to go okay no matter what else you say this is this is the the true pair and uh you, you can just just fanboy over whatever your your particular pairing is is it yeah it well, we'll have to see how they pull that off or what they do next from that or if it's just going to be a weird piece of fan service <laughs> Well, do you want to talk about other stuff that's airing? I know that Jeff, you missed out on Kikushi Goto talk last episode, but I did. you have feelings. You have Koji Kumita feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The I I just wanted to sort of like you know mostly agree with what you guys said. I really enjoy the you know the you know the, the classic mangaka ribbing on their entire industry and their entire existence, and I also really enjoy just like that guy's general style of humor of just like everything is very deadpan everything is very sort of like totally overreacting to everything or is just like breezing by it uh i also really enjoy the like the like just sort of like the general themes of it like i think you know i'm the only one here who i think has a kid as far as I know, nobody else has ever come forward with that. Yeah, as far as, as we know. <laughs> also, so <laughs> and there's been a couple like really poignant moments that shine through in that show, and just the general themes of uh, of like those you know feelings of insecurity and feelings of embarrassment, you know, comparing yourself to others because like like there's like a, sort of like a constant theme of the show of you know. Go, you know, Kakushi Goto, the titular dad of the show, you know, feeling like he's failing his daughter uh, just by existing, but also everybody else who works for him sort of feeling like he's failing them just by virtue of how the industry works. And like, you know, there's the episode where he's, you know, talking about like, oh, I need to get, you know, he's like, on one hand, he's scared of getting a new assistant because every time he gets a new assistant, they like get a job and, and, uh, and debut and leave. And, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, his current stable of people have never like advanced and he's like conflicted between like, I want you people to like debut because it makes me look better, but also I want you to not do that until somebody else is here to replace you because I can't do this without you. Which is like, oh, it, yeah. If it, it, it seems like a, it all, like it seems like there's coming from like a genuine place for, and not just like you know somebody gently suggesting that he make a thing that's slightly less scummy. 
<laughs> I mean, he does definitely have like a clear opinions about how the uh, about how the manga industry works, and moreover has clear opinions about how valid his opinions are about <laughs> the the uh, the manga industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we talked before, just like the most unflattering caricature of an editor, which is kind of like. <laughs> If it was less like outrageous and mean, you might think that it reflects reality. But I feel like just how clueless and unhelpful this guy is is meant to like signal that it's that it's a joke that this guy is clueless and unhelpful mm-hmm. and lazy. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I enjoyed. I I like everything Koji Kumita does. I liked his. I've liked Joshi Raku. I've liked Sarazetsu Sensei. I haven't. The didn't you work on Negima for a while? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never I've never done Negima, but but uh, yeah, I, I like his stuff. No, that's his like breakout hit, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird though. It's yeah. fun. It's mm-hmm. very. I strange. mean, I, I imagine so. I'm just not much of a of a manga guy, and so it's very weird to have like a, a favorite gag gag manga artist, um, and then not really like seek them out. <laughs> I mean, he, he does a. I mean, it's an anime as well, Katani Kaizo. It's like a couple mm. of OVAs, but which are fun. Yeah, They're fine. Sometimes those are a bummer, though. When you just watch mm. like the one, like the OVA that's a proof of concept for a manga, of like yeah. maybe someone should pick us up, and they're like, nah. <laughs> um, oh yeah. yeah, one of his assistants uh, did uh, went off to do uh, Hayate the Combat Butler, uh, <laughs> so he yeah. obviously wasn't joking <laughs> when he was talking about. About someone getting famous and going was, off and leaving him. There were six episodes of Katani Kaiser. Oh, it's not, okay. It's well, not bad. I'll watch that then. Yeah, it's it's quite fun. I mean, they're spaced out. I think they were OVAs, but you know, traditional like OVAs, OVAs for manga yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and he also he also was the character designer for Eccentric Family. That's the other big yeah. big name. I think you missed. Uh, yeah yeah we talked about last we talked about last week um not last week last episode but yeah yeah and there's also some some really great moments with hime the the daughter who is characterized as being just like this angelic being who is just like but at the same time kind of tragic because you there are so many little moments in the show where she's like doing things out of consideration for her dad uh which is like (laughs) it's, it's just something that like has to happen in a single parent uh family and like there's just, like so many like little moments that they get so right and that i'm glad that aren't just like 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 the show is like it's the, the kakushi is consistently like the butt of the joke most of the time but at the same time they aren't just like completely mean about it like he's definitely not like an irredeemable dad like he's making some questionable decisions as to like oh i need to protect my daughter and let her like never let her know what i actually do and you know but they're also sort of like you know with the uh sort of like the like the time jump that happens at the end of every episode you definitely get the sense that there is a lot missing there and you can and that peeks through in the show like when she turns down an invitation to a birthday party because she doesn't want to put the pressure of having a birthday at her own house on her dad and like that's the kind of thing that kids just kind of learn to do and it's something that if you're not paying attention as a parent yeah. you will just kind of like go along with it and i'm really sort of happy that the show is like it's wrestling with those things and like he they're they're not like he like kakushi is not like some kind of like super dad by any means but at the mm-hmm. same time it's nice that there are those moments where he recognizes that you know 
he has to make sure that you know he, on one hand he's he's trying to create this like elaborate fantasy where like everything is perfect and everybody can be happy and that's how he does it but also just the little moments of oh my daughter should feel free to like celebrate uh with her friends because like those kinds of things are going to go away and there's just like that 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 raw little bit of emotion at the center of the show that i think works really really well on top of it being just like a competent gag show mm. yeah yeah, 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 for sure. Have you watched any other like kid one single father and kid show, Jeff? Uh, I don't. Usagi drop. I wasn't thinking Usagi drop. <laughs> I was <more> thinking. <laughs> I mean, look. I mean, I've read Yotsuba, and that's the... about it. Well, yeah, I was thinking more Yotsuba. Like, it feels very much like an antithesis to Yotsuba. Like, Yotsuba is very much shot from. Yotsuba's perspective and is all about how rosy and lovely and adorable kids are and then mm-hmm. this is very much shot from the other perspective which is again like the kid's adorable and he views her as sort of like her princess that cannot be that is perfect in every way shape or form but he also is trying to protect her from everything including himself mm-hmm. um, which is where all the comedy comes from um, and it's just interesting that it's sort of both equally funny, but both coming from wildly different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't have that much to say about that. It's just something I thought of on the hoof just now. Um, yeah, yeah, and like <laughs> you know, they also have like little moments with uh, like uh, Hime's grandfather, uh, Kakushi's like late wife's father, being like a well-established, famous artist who, like, you know, always kind of resented Kakushi for marrying his daughter. And, you know, conversely, Kakushi is like completely uh, like he has like an inferiority complex when dealing with his grandfather and like doesn't dealing with the grandfather and doesn't want him to be giving her anything or being in her life because if he's there, then he feels like garbage. Yeah. And like that, yeah. that also, and you know, that also sort of carrying over to his insecurities and his professional life and everything else. And it, it feels like it's definitely coming from a I, real place that. I just think it's not even that I, I, I interpreted that as he knows that the grandfather can provide for him better than he ever could. And he doesn't want, but he still wants to give himself the ability and the challenge and the, he wants to prove to him, himself as well as his father that he can look after his daughter, mm-hmm. um, which is slightly different than what you were saying. I think like it's a well, more of that... a case of him feeling inferior to literally everybody. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I yeah. don't know. Good show. Good show. Uh, well, what else? Um, I've also Medica been watching. Box? Yeah, I've also been watching Medica Box, which is basically the complete polar opposite it was just it's just yeah. a horny yeah, just a horny gag show that uh benefit as, the as... Sort of thing that kakushi goto <laughs> would have written yeah <laughs> yeah i wonder if this is um, like if, because it as well, ben it's actually pointed written by nisio isen yeah so. <laughs> as ben pointed out to me uh in the in the group chat you know it's like it's a lesser known nisio isen which is like you could see that kind of poking through like Every now and then there will be just like a good scene of people like talking and being awkward and having a horrible time. And like, that's the kind of stuff that Nisty Weeson is really good at. And anytime the show is trying to be like an action show, like the very overextended, uh, like pool battle 
very sort of like SEO Easton in that, you know, everybody is, you know, like the action is kind of confusing and doesn't really make any sense. And everything is eventually resolved and somebody yelling their feelings at each other. And I, I really enjoy Medica being this sort of like larger than life character. Like I've, I think I've said lots of times on the show before that I'm, I really enjoy shows where Superman is kind of like the secondary character and the main character is everybody else <laughs> trying to deal with being in the world with Superman. And they get lots of, lots of good mileage out of that. And yeah, it's it, like, it, it, it seems like a show that should have been made in the, in the nineties. But it was like written in the late 2000s and the show was or and the show was made in like the early like 2012, 2013. And it just it seems like yeah. such a weird anachronism, but it's 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 a lot of fun. Well, I think that I think that it was deliberately Nisio Eason trying to kind of parody hyper idealistic, like, as you said, Superman, like a, a like a, a protagonist who is functionally more powerful than any other character in the setting um and has just like this absolutely like immaculate idealism as part of a shonen battler and just trying to make it as extreme and outlandish as possible where medica is so idealistic and so like kind and trusting that she will regularly just take hits from people who are obviously coming to hit her because she's like you had no reason to hit me so i had no reason to dodge um (laughs) and so like a lot of that i think is like a deliberate parody but it's funny how when it's kind of just made very straightforward in the anime like these parodies it reads a bit more straight than it probably probably should i don't mm-hmm. know i've always joked about it as like like haruhi as a haruhi suzumiya as a shonen battler yeah but it's got other layers to it it's just a very it's a very what? weird experience like you said a real throwback what yeah. is yeah, this and- in, sorry what is what is this in um catalog been back catalog been since Monogatari series, yeah, uh, Monogatari right, series, okay, Katana Gatari series, and but he's also, I, but isn't Katagatari, Kata, Kata, uh, Kata uh, no, nope. Katana He's he's a he's a bit of a perfect. I mean, he's a sword. He's a perfect emotionless being who got all the other swords. Like, isn't that also a similar Superman thing? Uh, yeah, I think somewhat, just here it's it, it's it's played for humor. Oh, yeah. Jeff's got more to say. Oh, I was I was gonna say like the, the, that's also like very early in his career, I believe. I think that was like he he wrote all of Katana Gatari in like a year, which is like twelve books. It's nuts. Uh, and I think that was like right between writing like the first couple volumes of Monogatari and like uh, and like you know the, like and like maybe like. Uh, oh, was it Nisei Gatari? Uh, Nisei Monogatari. Nisei Monogatari. Yeah, like, like he just kind of like banged those out. They were just sort of like, you know, very simple action stories with lots and lots of interiority, which doesn't really translate IMO, IMO, IMO to an anime very well. <laughs> uh, Je- Jeff hates Katana Gatari. <laughs> I like I mean, the books. Wrong, They're but... fine. <laughs> But yeah, I it's, it's just like, great. but the, uh, like his style of humor and his style of writing, when it's translated to a more visual medium, always like takes the sort of like underlying joke and just turns it into an indictment <laughs> and by like just shoving it in <laughs> your face. Cause like he, he, he loves to have a joke where it's like, Oh, and by the way, the whole time the person was naked. But then you mm-hmm. translate that to a show, and like that isn't that's a reveal at the beginning of the scene and not the end of the scene, and so it just 
it, it, it changes the joke a lot, but I don't know. It's like, I'm, en- I'm enjoying Medica box. I think it's benefited from, you know, a, a more expert hand at like having a show that is, or having something that's like turned, like translated into an anime. And I like the, the jokes consistently land. I like the, the dynamic between the different, uh, the different characters, the, and uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. I enjoy <laughs> like it. This, yeah. I, also, my, my biggest complaint is just that the art, the character designs, I think are kind of terrible, except for Matt, like, like the main guy, how he looks is like with his weird, just like super spiky, like an explosion of, of crystal hair. Yeah. Kind of gets on my nerves. Yeah. Like every but, character kind of looks like a bad, <laughs> I think that's, uh, oh, what's that fucking website now? The oh, DeviantArt. 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 It looks like, like everything looks like a bunch of bad DeviantArt OCs based on like someone someone of mm. someone else's work where everybody is just a little too over rendered yeah although i do like when he's trying to like find a new like a new look um and he wears his his gym uniform his tracksuit under his school uniform yeah and he's like oh this is like fire and then every single person he meets for the next two episodes is like what's wrong with your clothes and he's like and he's like you don't think it looks cool and they're like I guess it looks a little cool. And he's like, yes. So. <laughs> the other good thing. It's, it's a funny, funny show. So. Yeah, it is. The other funny thing about Medaka Box is it's very much, and it's a really great example of when um, something that isn't a shonen battler is then forced to turn into a shonen battler so that it keeps running. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although I think that that's probably more deliberate than, than you'd think. But it is funny that like, they fight the student council and then the next season is like fighting the secret like <laughs> student council. Ca- the yeah. secret student council that controls the student council. There's just like tiers of student council and special <laughs> students, um, which again, like taking the piss, but kind of like an indictment of itself that it does actually yeah. have just like the endless chains of enemies. And everyone's having like, it, Oh, having its you bought him. He was, he, you fought him. He was the weakest of all of us. And it's like, Oh, he was the bad guy <laughs> of the last episode. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of fighting and speaking of like, characters that seemed strong and were strong until they had to become weak so they could be trumped by a a more powerful character Uh, i'm still watching battle athletes victory i'm 16 episodes in i was hoping to get it done but i decided to to binge sailor moon instead Uh, (laughs) and uh, i don't know it's very weird i don't even know if my summary of the show from the last time we talked about it is that accurate anymore because there have been no aliens i know that there will be aliens um but she basically they're on the satellite now and she's with a new team um which to continue this show's habit of just having really offensive like 90s anime stereotypes one of the girls um uh, chris christopher your favorite andy Mm -hmm. uh is from this like weird colony of moon hippies called the beginners so she lives with a cow that's like (laughs) the funnier part she's got like a a headband looks like she's literally wearing a seatbelt, like off her head uh i pantomimed that for all of you podcast listeners yeah, in case you couldn't uh, imagine and, a headband but afterwards. but also yeah well it's like you're wearing a seat it's like if you're a little kid and you like you know strap strap your head in on the seat belt or something uh or if you have like a Naruto headband. kids yeah basically <laughs> but also she thinks that akari is super hot and constantly molests her because that's that's, that's trope that's funny which is sadly not dead because we have railgun uh, Duncan and I as our as our collective cross, but I don't know. It's been it's been interesting because she at, since we've talked, uh, she got challenged by the American 
um, who's the best athlete at the school. Uh, and <laughs> of course, it's the, course. Uh, the American and the Russian and, and the... And the Russian was like born in a government lab and trained from birth to be the perfect athlete. Why and the Americans sure. just like, just like an American. So obviously physically <laughs> superior to, to all other, all other oh, nations. Um, but she worships Akari's mother, who was like the best uh, um, cosmic beauty, which is what they call the winner of the like battle athletes uh, tournament. Uh, so she's like obsessed with her and like has trained her run style to be just like her. And she beats Akari and she's like, go home. You'll never be as good as your mother. And Akari does go home. And then, like I said, her friend comes and picks her up and she comes back and she starts improving really well. And her friend actually like has a breakdown and doesn't realize how much of her self-worth has been predicated on being the better athlete between her and her friend Akari. Uh, and so she tries to run against her so hard that she that she breaks her ankles and has to leave the program to be in not to singular be in it's, multiple both i think she breaks both ankles um no she hurt she hurt her knee and so she was running weird on another on her other leg to try to take weight off the knee um and that's and so she broke that ankle and also re-hurt her knee um and then tries to bash off her leg with a fire extinguisher because she screams like i don't need a, a leg that can't run and then she's trying to it's very dramatic. There's a lot of drama in what is ostensibly a comedy series about a bunch of girls doing uh, wacky sports challenges in space. Uh, but now we're in space and there's like someone who is just like so powerful. They've all been assigned to three person teams and they're playing against their bet. The last year's athlete who is so powerful. She plays alone. She doesn't need a three person team to win. Um, and she beat the American so bad that the American just like quit and left. They're playing lacrosse and she was like, angling the ball at people's sticks to break their lacrosse sticks um which is very anime i don't know it's been funny still and it's it's very weird how it alternates between like slapstick humor super tropey like racism and like sex humor that you kind of just have to get used to with 90 80s 90s and early 2000s anime and unfortunately also 2010s and 2020s anime um <laughs> but uh, it's been weird to watch it swing back back and forth between like yeah like kind of light humor and these like weirdly pathos filled moments um, where like characters have to decide if they're going to quit forever and like apparently if you leave the space station you're automatically banned forever from the program so of like so they were trying uh, Akari wanted to like go and talk to Jesse the American girl and try to convince her to come back and um, her boss her coach who's named Mr. Miracle and he is always dying. It's like a um, Excel saga with a uh, Hyatt who he's always like dying and barfing blood. And he's got, he's got a personal doctor named Eric, no last name um, who feeds him chocolate because chocolate's the only thing that can keep him alive. And there have been multiple, again, to prove my point, there've been multiple weird uh, <laughs> scenes where Eric's like, Mr. Miracle, you know, you only have a few more years to live. Why are you wasting even a second off these girls that have no talent. And he's like, I don't believe in talent. I believe in miracles. And then he coughs blood and they have to feed him some chocolate <laughs> because, what? but yeah, but he's like, he's like, Oh, you can't leave because if you leave, then you'll never be able to come back. And she's like, that doesn't seem fair. And he's like, I don't know. He says something dumb. Mr. Miracle actually kind of sucks. He's the least funny part of the, the overtly joke elements. Um, he also like dresses up as like, one of the bad guys from Trigun where he's wearing like this big helmet that like goes over his eyes. You can't really see them. It's got an M on it. And he looked like 
looks like yeah one of the uh, gung-ho guns <laughs> except he's a coach um except he never coaches him he just talks about how he believes in miracles and then they do it themselves uh <laughs> so yeah i don't know this was pretty rambling so i don't i like to have a thesis but i don't really have a thesis about battle athletes victory except that it's way better than i thought it would be and also just as bad as i thought it would be uh i'll keep you updated if it ever pulls anything out of this i'm sure that akari <laughs> is going to become the cosmo beauty after after defeating the like one one woman team girl and the uh there's like a convict they had they let out who was like imprisoned on the space station um and he like the headmaster brings her into the office and he's like are you have you have you repented and she's like nope and he's like okay well your time's up anyway you can go back into the into the main population <laughs> so Wow. Yeah, it's very it's very anime. So, um still 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 earning a solid like 6.5 out of 10 from me, but um I don't know. I wonder if yeah. that's like a Baki reference where like they've run out of most powerful people to fight, so they have to like let the most dangerous death row athletes in the world to be more powerful. Well, I think someone I think what it was is someone called her a loser and she like flipped out and like put them in the hospital. And then they quit um, by leaving the satellite, as are the rules. And she, and she was, he was like, he was like, are you have you have you repented? And she's like, nope. Someone else calls me that. I'll put them in the hospital too. And Grant Oldman, the uh, the headmaster, who has personally stopped like four different things by like squaring his shoulders, and like he stopped a spaceship by squaring his shoulders and like grabbing it with both his hands. He stopped a charging cow. Said said cow from a uh, Chris Christopher from the Beginners. Uh, I mean, that's less impressive than a spaceship. Yeah, it happened after the spaceship, too, and they played it with the exact same thing. We were just like, ooh, and everyone's like, he stopped a charging cow. I'm like, yeah, did you see where he stopped, like, literally a spaceship the size of a house from crashing by by holding it by its nose? But Grant Oldman's just like, sure, okay. Uh, And his, like, like, attache is like, are you sure? She didn't seem like she was sorry at all. He's like, well, I could only keep her one more day anyway. And it's like, "Mm, okay. You know she's going to, like, attack the next person who calls her a loser, don't you? And he's like, well, maybe that'll help them grow. I don't know. It's very, it's very anime. There's... That sounds really dumb. Uh, sounds like... Yeah, but it's, like, it's dumb in a fun way. Um, uh, and sometimes uh, that's exactly Ling what you Fa, want. Ling Fa, the, like, the racist Chinese character, uh, snuck on, even though she didn't make the top, like, ten, she snuck on the ship and, like... A, like super curly pink wig and like huge like swirly coke bottle glasses um and her wig falls off all the time and people are like hey what's up with your hair and she's like oh nothing and pulls the wig on and that joke keeps on going for multiple episodes uh before they still haven't revealed in episode 16 that Marsha is actually uh ling fa wong who snuck on to the the uh satellite in secret now the question is if she leaves is she expelled or is it is it like if you're on the satellite does that mean that you're automatically enrolled in the in the program or not it's not clear you want it um, now i don't just know i just want i just like it's i wanted a dumb anime that like played by like the old school rules and was like super episodic and i got that so yeah i'm just trying to like persevere through the like functionally a monkey african girl and the like greedy slant-eyed cheater chinese person and the the lesbian who sneaks up behind her and like massages her boobs and akari is like can you please stop and she's like no i can't (laughs) so it's just not within my lesbian 
facilities to stop. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, all um, all gay people think about doing are is raping and molesting straight people. That this is a fact. Mm-hmm. It's not a fact. Uh, so, <laughs> do we have anything else? I guess not. Really. Um, I mean, the... we watched. I watched the first episode of Doro Head Doro, and I know that Duncan, you've also watched all of it, I believe. Yeah. I don't know whether you want to chat about it. Jeff's watched a few episodes as well. So, yeah, what's mm. you, have you. Did you read the manga beforehand, Andy? No, I did not read the okay, manga. So coming to it fresh, what do very... you feel from what, I like that it. one episode? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very strange um, world and uh, anime set in a world where there are magicians who. Um, come into this portal via doors and then are essentially sort of like magical beings who can just fuck over people because they can but no and they haven't really got any um or at least in the first episode they've not got any strong reason as to why they're doing it they're just like a weird magician society of noveds all the reason we're given is that they come to the uh this this town which has has the has the has the very lovely lovely name of, of hole which is just like this huge massive uh slum and they just yeah. come to practice magic we're not told anything more than that yeah and then this one guy gets turned into um a gets a lizard head um and he then is on a quest to undo his lizard head it, it seems that when you um kill the magician who did dickish things to you so the in the example of the first episode a magician was turning people into like half bugs um and they killed him and then they turn him back so you presume that he is trying to find the lizard man uh the person who the wizard who turned him into a lizard so that he could turn them so he could turn it back um <clears throat> and the way he I, does I'm so impressed the you managed he... that without stuttering andy <laughs> Well, I'm a big fan of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, so when you say Lizard and Wizard so many times, um, you get used to it. <laughs> um, and uh, so the way he finds out whether the wizard is the right wizard that turned him into said lizard, um, he bites the uh, wizard's head, and then a man in the back of his throat comes out and tells the wizard whether he is or isn't the wizard that he's looking for. Um which is a very strange uh, thing to happen constantly. And then it's slightly body horror. It's slightly like, what the fuck's going on? It's like, it's very surreal, sort of like um, magic. And then also very depressing, like very grim, dark world setting. But then there's also just sort of like odd humor with the magicians who are like, seem to have a lot of mushrooms, like, clearly avert drug lsd references um like there are mushrooms that turn into things like there's a speaker that literally has like tiny little mushrooms for buttons um the main antagonist (laughs) is a guy called n who's as you say whose main power seems to be based based around mushrooms and it's he he has like the main antagonist looms large because he's seemingly by, by far the most powerful uh mm. sorcerer or magician or whatever we want to call them in, in this society and he's basically a mobster with his uh, little little hit squad of um noi and i can't remember the bloke's name uh one second i've got n shin fujita shin yeah okay. yeah yeah and it's and- interesting because he's he's the most powerful wizard politically 
and not necessarily magically. And his whole deal is building this like perfect crew around himself, which <laughs> is, I mean, I, I, I thought don't, it was don't, more don't, that. Don't, 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 the, don't stretch your yeah. face up like that. that. That's literally his whole thing. Like he plays it out pretty clearly because he read the manga too, right? Yeah, but I, I, I kind of thought like N's thing was that he his power was so strong he didn't couldn't really use it. It's like your power is to to drop a tactical nuke, and yeah, sure, no one wants to mess with you, but it's not really something you can use every day, and so he he has has to get this this team to to do his little little jobs for him and and yeah and what that and like one of the great things about the show is that like you were saying like you know the everybody has magic power and everybody but it's usually to do one very specific thing and so you get a little bit like they, they they don't do a lot of like oh we're gonna have like a power battle and I can only do this and you can only do that like usually the bad guys is like oh I'm just gonna kill you with a claw hammer because <laughs> that's just easier and you know they they make a sort of like sort of throwaway reference to you know if you use a gun then if ends your boss he will come and kill you because he thinks you're like disrespecting being a wizard but that basically means that the whole show revolves around this like big cast of characters who all have like very clear motivations and very clear relationships and it becomes like a just a a, like a big character drama where like the setup seems like it could just be a very dime a dozen shonen battler but it's a very well-written like character drama basically but it's also like very goofy like it, it you could probably compare it favorably to the Yakuza games when they're not just like being a brawler. There's like lots and lots of, you know, politics and lots of lots of like, you know, that like sort of tough guy, you know, character who's very like, you know, close, you know, heart on the, on the, on the, you know, being worn on the sleeve or as, or, or as a mask in some cases, like just (laughs) sort of like, you know, bruising their way through these like weird worlds and yeah it's 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 it's, it's a lot of fun like the the first couple episodes i think set it up pretty well like because like the manga starts off pretty strong and then just sort of like gets vastly better as the characters are established because mm-hmm. you know you you have like a little bit of like the freak of the week sort of stuff going on in the early series and yeah, then it just becomes yeah and then it just it becomes about that like main you know N and his crew and Cayman and uh, Nadeshko sort Nikaido. of like Nikaido. Uh, Nikaido. Like on like sort of like trying to figure out who they are and who, you know, what happened to Cayman. And, you know, of course they do the thing where it's like, oh, Cayman is just immune to magic. So there's all of these wizards who can't do magic on him. So they have to be clever and they have to use words. And yeah. So that, cool. that came about because he's had a, magi- a wizard. It seems like. So Cayman is the titular person who's got a lizard for a face I don't think that was particularly I don't think I ever gave him a name um, and the reason why suppose or where I'm at now where it might change is that he's gotten um, because he's already had a wizard has already done magic on him you can't do magic on the same person twice mm-hmm. presumably whilst that magic is active I don't know it so gets we don't, a I don't lot know more. more complicated than that but for a long time that is all we know that that he, uh, that we assume that the magic which was done on him was so powerful that no more can be done. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that's all I know. So that's all I'm going to say. Well, you've only I mean, had, had the first episode. That's fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, would you say then overall? Because I think uh, it feels very much like a passion project, this. Like the way yeah. that you look at it, like it's the budget's not incredible because obviously uh, Kaiman and, uh, and Nikaido are completely CG. Uh, which is perfectly understandable for yes. such an action-heavy show, which is mm-hmm. uh, sort of uh, licensed by Netflix, uh, done by Studio Mapper. Like it, it feels very much like a passion project, because also then it's got like eighteen episodes, which is a weird number of episodes. I think uh, it's, does it based on a twenty-three eight? volume manga? So say does mm-hmm. it have eighteen? I didn't realize it had eighteen. I thought there was yeah. only twelve on Netflix, but maybe there's, there's twelve is all... and there's six OVA. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say, like, yeah, it is one of the things notable about uh, Dorohodoro is that um, the manga is incredibly detailed and dirty. It is. I had a big old Barney with John a, a long time ago about whether it was ever an anime which could be adapted because it was just so drawn in such a way that it felt rooted to pen and ink like this dirty inky style of drawing and i think the backgrounds in it do a really good job of of taking what was a black and white like comic and bringing this mix of dirty colors to it like it's mm-hmm. it's 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 at the same time it's got bright colors but it's also subdued it's like really this really mix of like dirt and it's covering over the garishness and i think what andy says about it being a passion project particularly comes through in the um eds which of i think there's five or six in in total for the series and and you can tell they're just having fun with it like Mm. then it's like there's one which particularly stands out which is is like like a, a little um done in the style of doom which is has a really <laughs> oh, really yes. really catchy song with it as well and uh it's as i say the backgrounds are incredibly de- detailed and and well rendered and it just has this feeling of this place covered in years and years of history and strange goings on and the cg is not too bad like it's it's it no. when it's bad it's really bad and but mm-hmm. they it's not so bad to, that it's distracting and doesn't yeah. really take away like you're really there like like the, for the action it's fine and like the writing of the show is what is really gonna keep you there in the long term yeah and, and, uh, they I mean, seem, seem and, and the performances in. are really good too yeah, I was gonna say they seem so happy to cut in um, properly animated uh, uh, facial Wizard. expressions, etc., and mm-hmm. powers and such when appropriate. It's not just okay. We're, we're sticking with this. We're not doing anything more to supplement it. It's like that's the that's the 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 base, and that when necessary they embellish it, and so, so it's it still still can be quite a uh, not beautiful, but um, strange and wonderful-looking thing at times, despite the CG. Yeah, I think there's certainly yeah, some beauty in in some of the shots in the first episode, especially mm. in the Wizard Land. Like, there's some very beautiful surrealness that they do some great water painting work with the backgrounds and the mushrooms, and sort of like turning mm. it into a like a like I said like an LSD like uh, landscape. 
Um, I think, I don't know, I, I think the CG of the main Kaiman and Nikaido are annoying, but acceptable. And then as the rest, or so far, the rest of the N family, which are the wizards, um, they have not been animated in CG yeah. or notably animated in CG. I at think least. some of the directions pretty good as well. Like uh, the, the the manga itself is well directed, if that makes sense. It's well composed, yeah. and I think well, some some of it comes through in this adaptation. Like there's there's like a the, almost like the the signature shot of the series, which you talked about when Cayman bites bites someone so that the man inside their head can can see them. Like that's that's really nicely animated because you you just you he suddenly see him going ah, and then <laughs> it cuts to this like yeah. dark dang face and the person's like shrunk down inside it you just see this head sort of looming up and this loom slowly looming towards the camera and it's it's really nicely done and actually gets across the the weirdness it's which is only slightly marred by cutting back to the cg crocodile head (laughs) when he he lets go but yeah i I think Cayman's the only one who who they stick 100% CG E2 for yeah. his, his head all the time. The and probably because... In. Oh, yeah. And probably just because, like, his head is so busy with, like, spikes and scales, and it would be impossible mm-hmm. to cheaply animate that. Um, I, I just... I like I like it when they bite the head. I love that sort of... <laughs> that, that space dilation of what you see and then what actually what the enemy sees what's inside the head which feels like a very much sort of like which i think is beautiful i really enjoy that and the opening shot you see is a man inside his mouth it's fantastic (laughs) and and then the way that last episode plays off with that weird visual gag of him ripping a person's face off quite literally and then just sort of like dangling on a tooth i thought was very (laughs) uh, sort of morbidly amusing poor Um, poor ebisu she she's she's kind of a, a like a a gag character for half of the the first arc and finally get some depth after that but um yeah it's good it's good good and yeah i'm, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it hopefully you'll plow on with it and next time we'll we'll talk you'll be like yeah i finished it yeah no it's it's just been a bit of a crazy time i'm not had time to watch it um so yeah i'll, I'll definitely get around to to catching it all up uh, do you think that it uh, compared to the manga, do you think it was too rushed? Do you think they missed anything out, or do you think uh, they got everything? I'm personally pretty happy with it. Like, I think it's it's a very difficult thing to adapt, but the, the way they've handled the backgrounds in it, I think, really evokes the atmosphere of the place. And I think the, the way they use color is, has brought something extra to it. And like, that's always the thing I'll want from an adaptation. Like that. that you haven't just done a reproduction of it. You've you've mm. brought something new to the table, and the way they use color in the uh, the world consistently in the backgrounds, and even just in the character design and lighting, has brought something extra to it. And so I think, yeah, it's 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 a good it's a it's a good worthy whatever word we want to use adaptation. It, it exists on its own merits, and I'm happy that it's it's around. That's good. Great. Well, I look forward to watching more. All right, do we want to take a quick break and then we can talk about magical girls? Yeah, yeah.
All right, and we're back. So, uh, as I was implying before, I had finished Sailor Moon, um, which coincidentally uh, lines up with us talking about, as Duncan will no doubt tell us, <laughs> technically a topic about uh, magical girl idols. Uh, but I figured, why not all magical girls? Um, so, yeah, as a subgenre, we. Uh, Princess Knight is generally considered to be the prototype for the magical girl genre. So that's 1953. Um, Himitsu no Akko-chan um, is the first explicitly magical girl manga. Um, and that's 1962. And we also have Sally the Witch um, is the first anime. Um, Sally the Witch actually, as a funny aside, was uh, inspired by uh, Bewitched. So that's a weird... Thing. <laughs> mm. uh, so in the set, American TV show. Yes. Okay. Weird. Bewitched. Ba, 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 ba. Starring. Uh, but so yeah. So in the seventies and eighties, uh, this was a fairly, uh, fairly s- strong genre. It kind of went into recession as people began to feel that they were just twenty-five minute long toy commercials, which has a lot in common with how giant robot stuff was perceived too. Um, but Sailor Moon um, revived the genre um, in the 90s and basically brought us the second age of magical girls. And then Puella Magi, Madoka Magica uh, in the 2010s is the third phase, the Evangelion phase, the everything's a subversion phase. So... Um, and then you also forget in the Precure series, which has very much sort of been underlying all of this since. And Sailor I Moon. could never, I could never forget Precure. Um, <laughs> Precure definitely was was riding on the. Uh, I mean, like, what's the, when's the first Precure? Uh, I'm gonna guess early '90s, same time as Sailor Moon is my guess. I don't mm-hmm. think so. I think I looked it up, and I thought I'm pretty sure Precure started in the 2000s. Yep, 2004. Okay. Futari wa Pretty Cure. Um, the medical yeah, box of, kind of magical just, girls. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it's... It was funny because I think I said before when we were talking about Sailor Moon that um, Madoka is really heralded as being like the subversive and like dark and violent and questioning the like the burden of being a magical girl and how this really hadn't like if you read anybody's review of 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 Madoka they talk about how these weren't questions that were raised in previous works and Madoka was the first one to really like investigate this sort of thing um and I think also like a lot of thematic things in Evangelion are prefigured in just less popular predecessor shows I also think Sailor Moon has plenty about like isn't it kind of fucked up that we're sending young girls to fight this like magic war against monsters or space aliens or witches or whatever? Um, because the end of Sailor Moon, uh, the, the first series, the first 46 episodes is that they find the like hidden base of the dark kingdom. Um, and they go to like rescue tuxedo mask and kill queen barrel who rules it. And everyone dies except for Sailor Moon who just barely survives at the end through, through extreme luck and, hard work yeah. but how and does, like how do they die do they die very viciously and scary yes very brutally like like one of them gets like frozen up in like an ice tower and like pierced through and we like see blood and she's like all she's like oh i'm dying and dead like like they're fairly graphic deaths for the early 90s 
so I've I've been actually kind of impressed. I think that there is a weird sort of game of telephone being played in our culture where people who've never watched a magical girl anime assume that they're just like kid stuff and like, you know, oh, goofy Sailor Moon's all about fashion and all about like, you know, magically transforming into a beautiful adult woman blah 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 and it's been kind of interesting to watch it and be like oh no this is actually a lot more mature and like a lot of the questions that supposedly it took until madoka to ask were being asked they were just weren't being done with like the high shaft production values and really over the top darkness that madoka kind of trades in um so those are the two the two magical girls that I was going to bring up. I wanted to rewatch Madoka, but then I didn't <laughs> because I kind of hate that anime. <laughs> so <laughs> I watched one episode and I'm like, Oh, this is, this is, I was, I treated this unfairly, but I still, still think it's like, it's mean spirited and doesn't have nearly as much to say as it thinks it does. And the character designs are ugly as sin in a subgenre that often is characterized by very like beautiful or attractive art. Um, very fashion forward and so you have these like weird Hidamari sketch moe blobs as the as Don't the magical Hidamari girls. sketch it's it's fine it's more than no Hidamari sketch is fine but Hidamari sketch character design should not <laughs> be <true>. in Madoka <laughs> uh, so what else is what are, what's everyone else's baggage with magical girls were you as much of a chauvinist as I was until approximately a few months ago <laughs> <laughs> are you still a chauvinist you know, I'm, I'm trying to think what the first Magical Girl show I, I would have watched would have been. For me, it, it literally would have been Madoka was the first Magical Girl show I watched. And like a lot of people who watch Evangelion and then are like, oh, I guess I like robot anime. I guess I was the opposite where I watched Madoka and I was like, oh, I guess I guess Magical Girls are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can't think of my first Magical Girl show. Again, maybe Madoka from beginning to end, but I didn't hate Madoka like you did. So, have much strong feelings on that. <clears throat> I just it just feels like taking like I I guess I probably as someone who grew up in the '90s having an instinctual like revulsion against someone's like what about this nice kind-hearted thing but everyone's mean and I'm just like yeah, I feel like that doesn't take that much emo- like that much imagination to come up with but yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, I had no pretense going into that show, so for me it was yeah, all just. I, I wonder if it's a case of you knowing that it's a bit fucked up. I don't know how much you knew, whilst me knowing nothing was a bit surprised. I just heard that it was very that it was very like intellectual and dramatic and dark. And I mean, I'm, I, o- I'm over I'm over dark stuff, honestly, <laughs> in general. I just heard it. I may have just heard it was dark. I didn't hear it was intellectual. So maybe that's the difference. Is you're expecting <laughs> something to challenge your brain? <laughs> so I was like, eh, it's just a bit, a bit depressing. Yeah, I still remember. I still remember a forum interaction that I had where someone was like, "Oh, they use Puella for the lat, the fake Latin in the title, and Puella, Puella means slave girl, so it's going even deeper." And I'm like, "No, Puella just means young girl. Anquila means slave girl, but Puella can it can be like euphemistically referring to. So no, it's not like oh, these girls are slaves to their magic power. I don't know. I guess I just <laughs> react against that kind of faux intellectualism really strongly, yeah, as yeah. you have probably seen in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Never picked it up till now. So yeah, I keep I keep it really de- on the DL. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want yeah, to say right, Jeff, Jeff, or do you want Jeff, me to talking? dive in? <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say. I, I think probably the, the first magical girl show was technically the Sailor Moon dub in the '90s, and. <laughs> I've never, I, I don't really think I 
cottoned onto that being like a very strict structural genre. And so for me, like I see a lot of sort of connective tissue between like something like that and uh, like Excel Saga or where it's just kind of like taking the sort of like the Genki girl and, you know, in that and Excel Saga is sort of like, you know, subverting it and just like making her a garbage person and making all of their uh, <laughs> making all of their adventures just like total farces and and you know like the actual like you know like having transformations and all of that stuff and you know using that as a metaphor for whatever was probably not something that I was really thinking about until I had also watched Madoka and I think I I don't think I had as as a discerning eye as Ben because I watched it and I was like oh yeah that's pretty good people said it was good and it seems pretty good but <laughs> I, I was just predisposed to be to be turned turned against any show that is the evangelion of blank because yeah yeah evangelion like, is the evangelion apart of from evangelion, obviously <laughs> i mean i think probably the first um magical girl thing i saw would be princess tutu which Oh, that's a good point. Which probably actually explains why uh, I came to love Review Starlight so much. Because it started out with this idea of Magical Girl as a performer, as like the this person taking on the the weight of the world for others and and going off and doing these these things. And Princess Tutu's like a great show. Both just an amazing comedy and actually a interesting think an interesting take on the idea of how stories are told and retold and how they change Mm -hmm. over time and i think it it sort of primed me to expect magical girls to always be slightly subversive i i think I, i i came into it without the vanilla i came in in with like the the big mix of flavors and i and so i've I've never really sort of watched a a vanilla magical girl show like even things like um uh utana are on the sort of outskirts of 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 it for me like and like there's i feel like maybe like the things i've ended up seeing more of it is like the subversions were of where like the the sci-fi magical girl the sci-fi fighting magical girl where th- things like um uh cutie honey uh sinful gear mm. and kill the kill all took the trope where you still have this transformation but they they transform into these badass fighters with huge weapons rather than the, these um people using sort of special effects to do things it's it's more about whacking people with swords etc yeah. yeah, I was gonna. It I was kind gonna... Of seems like a halfway between, halfway point between two, uh, the two different fantasies of Magical Girl, which is about like transforming to an older, more mature, more feminine version of yourself, and then Giant Robot, which is about just crawling inside a big man suit, as I've <laughs> said in previous, <laughs> in previous uh, episodes. But um, but yeah, like the idea of like you're transforming to an older, mature version of yourself, who's also happens to be just like a fucking diesel brawler, <laughs> who's ready to who's ready to just wreck some stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna bring up uh, Bubblegum Crisis as like a troll specifically aimed at Ben, but now Duncan has legitimized my choice and <laughs> 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 having you know just like a bunch of girls, one of whom is a pop star, you know. Hewing yeah, closer to the original eighties performance scenes. <laughs> yeah, but the whole thing, of course, is just like you know an eighties 
exploitation OVA, so there's lots of gore and lots of uncomfortable sex and everything else. So like you know, maybe also taking the you know, you know, it's like it's like the unpretentious version of of uh, Madoka Magica, where it's just like we're gonna be dark <laughs> and we're gonna make it fucked up, but they're still gonna have magical girls fighting monsters. So the weird thing about Bubblegum Crisis that brings that brings me to mind is that I think that like another part of her being a pop star and one of them's a business lady and one of them's a chef is that there is kind of like the weird sort of women doing it all thing mm-hmm. um, too. of like, oh, they're pop star by day, um, rogue android murder squad by night. <laughs> uh, and that is kind of like there is they do play on that duality in um, in sailor moon where the girls very are very careful like when they're not in costume they refer to each other by their names and when they are in costume they refer to each other by their like sailor titles and it's not just to like keep their identity secret it's just like they've become a different person and it's very interesting the ones that like usagi sailor moon the titular sailor moon like is a ludicrous crybaby like everything like if anything goes wrong she will like fall down on her knees and just start bawling the like anime like ah and like the tears are streaming out in like large uh fountain-like arcs um and then she but her like her personality undergoes a subtle shift when she's sailor moon that she does have this idea of like she's more mature more together she still is a scaredy cat and a crybaby but there is a sort of like idea of of like being able to transform into this other person makes you like a more holistic, a more fulfilled, <clears throat> complete person too is um, like the better version of your is, emotions. Is it not just the the feeling of empowerment that she gets? It gives her the confidence to do stuff that she otherwise wouldn't have done normally. Yeah. But I do think that it's, it's like that it might not be textual, but I think it still is kind of just this idea that, that you can become someone else if you put on either a metaphorical, android murdering suit or a literal android murdering suit <laughs> yeah no i see so, that. yeah see the, see the point yeah i was gonna i've sort of got like a, a line of reasoning I'd, I'd like andy to weigh on in on and like i was <laughs> i was thinking about like um review starlight and like the way it combines like the idea of being a magical girl and the the idea of being a performer and obviously like this this idea of the magical idol and like what seems like quite quite a common trope in both um uh, sort of magical girls and in idol shows is like the idea of someone being like uh, a shrine maiden or a uh uh, like this, this, they seem to sh- share like similar tropes in their in their their casts. Like you, you seem to have people who really are who. Oh, what's the girl in Love Live who? Uh, like the the council presidents and that. Like it, they seem to draw from the same Your pools. Honey? Yeah, they seem Which to. Which one, Love Live, uh, Sunshine, or Love Live? Love Live, because I haven't seen Sunshine. Right. Okay. Uh, they, I think that's Johanna. The ma- to... the Shrine Maiden. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they seem to draw from the same sort of pool of 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 tropes, like the the shrine maiden, the student council president, like, and I, I wonder if that's just because of the, the age group that they're, they're they're doing, or because like there is something common between like the idea of this person getting up on stage and being like this this pure and unsullied uh, icon which people can look 
look up at and the the magical girl who is like this um pure best version that someone can be and like a lot of like there's i think like the the whole there's like an undercurrent in quite a few magical girl shows like the worst thing like a magical girl can do is fall in love because then they're corrupted and that's their weakness and then they're destroyed and seduced by the bad guys and like you see all the shit that gets thrown at idols and which and pops up in stuff like Perfect Blue of like if they are anything less than these perfect beings they're just completely and utterly shredded by their fans and I I wonder if like the, there is like a common and sort of archetype they're both reaching for of this like perfect pure girl I mean possibly I, I, I got it wrong by the way it's Nozomi not Johanne oh. Johanne is the in oh, sunshine no, I know. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm destroying myself because Nozomi's maybe one of my favourites from Love Life, <laughs> along with Nico and Rin. Like they're top three fodder for me. Uh, oh, well, now we're just them. talking about idols. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm happy. That with was that. the plan all along. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think I think there's probably something to be to be said there. As, as far as Nozomi being a, a shrine maiden, I just think that's more like just a, a character trope that they can apply that. Is a lot of shorthand for a lot of things, so that they can get away with not going delving too deep into a character on a show that mm-hmm. has a cast of nine people in every episode. Um, do you think? Actually, that reminds me. <laughs> but, on, but on the other hand, I do think that I do think it's like Ray uh, Sailor Sailor Mars is a shrine maiden and actually has legit powers that come into play. Like she can like seal demons before they get the uh, the the star wand that can take care of demons but like she like can throw seals on people and chant and there's like a a like flashing intercut of like buddha on fire like <laughs> and, and yeah so there's that and also sailor venus uh is also like famous as sailor v like a crime fighting superhero who's popular in fiction so there are there are these ideas of like of like these performances as being part of the the magical girl identity too i agree yeah yeah the there was one thing I was, I was, I was uh, oh no, I'm, I've, I've lost it now. Come, come back to it. Someone else to talk. <laughs> I, I wonder how much uh, connective tissue is between magical girls and like the Tonkusatsu, like transformation shows, like Common Rider and things like that, where there was like a, a, there was also like a big sort of like stage performance aspect to like you know live performances of like TV heroes fighting monsters and things like that. And is there a sort of like a part of that too of that like you know it being you know sort of like a screen adaptation of a stage performance sort of style i mean for sure like you you look at carmen rider and then you look at transformation sequences and you look at any other like magical girl sequences and they're almost exactly the same in the way that they do their stuff so and even the girls the main evil characters are usually in some sort of odd bondage-esque gear so for sure there's a there's a connective tissue between it um i don't know i don't know how evident or obvious that was when one was making either one of the others if that makes sense like i don't know how whether it was just something that was you know intrinsically thought well we have a transformation sequence i guess this is how we do it does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just kind of like if it is was that like just the cultural 
like vocabulary for these kinds of things or if there was a more yeah. direct because like a lot of because like love live is a real idol group right like are all the video games and animes like a tie into that or is the idol group or is it just like all sort of one no, big omni not. product and like they have the real girls and the show and I the mean, games it's just kind of like a big ip like over how, how much time have you got jeff um <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering like 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 because typically with these kinds of adaptations, like one thing is trying to feed people to somewhere else, like a like an adaptation of a manga, like frequently wants people to go read the manga, and like that's like, and it's yeah. just kind of like a big marketing drive to the to the main thing. And I'm wondering, you know, with Love Live, like, oh, is there a main thing, or is it just the, the idea thing, of it, it's just it's just everything with Love Live, <laughs> same with Idol Master, like. You know, it's just it's just money making over and over again. You, the anime is trying to feed into the games, and then the games will eventually have um, some sort of live event, a live event that will get all the idols, real idol actors, getting up on stage and singing, and then you'll form an attachment with the real the real three D uh, voice actors, and then you'll follow them to see what they'll be doing next, etc., etc., etc. It's just like a big money making wheel that. Um, gets you hooked one way or another um you know you look at a lot of sort of characters from love live and idol master and you'll see that they all are very much a much of a muchness and they probably have some crossover as well with voice actors which will get you into them and it's just it's just a very well oiled money-making machine that they know exactly how to appeal to fans and attack who they know exactly what you know turns turns them on if you want uh less uh, i can't think of the other way of saying it but like it, they know how to push their buttons they know how to get them excited and interested in characters and it fucking works like idol master they had an anime character character called riamu yumemi who's like a otter hen who's a fucking disaster and she's a complete failure and she's came from like one of the came brand new like a year ago and now is was previously voted last year as like the top five most popular idols in this in the game. Now it's gone down to ten. But you know, it's it's just it's just the way the fucking show works. Like they just wheel out these characters until people fall in love with them. That 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 whole thing reminded me of of what, of what I wanted to ask, which was has there been a steady evolution from the idea of these shows being a magical girl show to a magical girl show from having just a singular um, star to having a group? Because like, I think it's notable that a lot of the, the latter things, it's you'll have a, a, a full squad of, of magical girls. And like some of the examples Ben gave of the early ones, I think, it's it's just one person. So is is there a, a point where maybe with Sailor Moon itself, where they they started having this idea of okay, we're gonna it's not just this one person. We're gonna have a, a like this this squad of different stereotypes or this idol group, as it were. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like the ones I'm familiar with from the '80s, like Creamy Mommy, um, are just the one person. Mm. Like they'll often have sidekicks which weirdly in creamy mommy is also a cat i think just like sailor moon um, <laughs> creamy mommy yeah. is such a bad name for a sh- I, <laughs> like you look at it and it looks like ram half like fucking or to say yatsura type art style but it's called creamy mommy it's disturbing <laughs> 
Sounds like an OnlyFans account. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, it's it's just because like so at some point like the 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 bat the battler magical girl archetype seems to have mostly kept that 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 solo person just battling it out, whereas the 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 more traditional like magical girl stuff seems to have, like especially with Madoka like it's all about the inter inter actions of the squad between each other and their relationships, and and maybe. And like maybe some of the I think the stuff Ben was talking about last week, it, like how um, Western markets completely uh, uh, hated and and tried to cover up the queer elements of Sailor Moon, and yet Japan was quite happy having in these uh, romances and relationships between the characters is like maybe that's where the squad thing has developed from because everyone has to have that. Uh, favorite pairing uh, amongst them. It's OTP. It's, yeah. yeah, I wonder mm. if it's not even the fact that, as Ben said, you know, the early early um, idol, sh- sorry, magical school girls, magical girls shows. Um, you know, they they were most felt very much like a money making marketing scheme, and maybe it was just a case of someone. Went, well, if we have more than one magical girl, yeah. then we can. <laughs> Factor more, more things like <laughs> follow the money, more merchandise, which is insane that that is now considered. It's insane that they got tired of that because of merchandise, but now we are so drowned in any sort of magical schoolgirl merchandise, like it's impossible to move for like Sailor Moon fucking jewelries, accessories, shoes, like all this kind of shit is franchised to fucking back, and it's insane that. People got tired of it at one point, and now I just guess they've accepted. They've accepted the machine overlords, and I've just been like, just you know, whatever, just fucking whatever. I buy it. Just a mug, great, whatever. Necklace, sweet, fucking there. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's just strange. <laughs> hmm. Ah well, magical girls destroyed by consumerism, like everything else. It's the one enemy <laughs> they couldn't defeat. Yeah. I mean, it is it is just nice to be able to have, like, different characters with different personalities. And it's very funny to, like, in Sailor Moon, how you have Us- Usagi, um, who is a, like, Usagi and uh, Minako, Venus and Sailor Moon, um, are both, like, long, blonde hair girls. They look pretty much alike, except that uh, Minako has, like, a large orange bow and Usagi has twin tails. But, like, it's funny how... Having like five or later on like a dozen sailor scouts means that you can really fine tune like what sort of personality and visual aesthetic that you want for your favorite character. Um, and I do think that oftentimes like idol shows too really do like playing into types and just having like oh here's the <laughs> here's the uh, the like the tall mature one with the the long dark hair and here's mm-hmm. the like spunky redhead. Um, Genki the, girl, whatever. Here's the, so. here's the lazy girl who just sort of sleeps all day. Here's the, yeah, for sure. And then sometimes when some characters aren't that popular and they want to make them more popular, they just add a new characteristic or trait. Like one girl, idol girl, was a pottery maker, and then they're like, oh, she's boring. Oh, she likes fishing as well, guys. And then everyone went nuts for her. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not? Exactly, yeah. right? Because yeah. why not? <laughs> 
fucking that fucking idol anime is insane <laughs> uh yeah well it sounds like we're that unsurprisingly three guys who four guys who've watched like i don't know maybe half a dozen idol shows half a dozen idol, yeah i've seen a bunch of idol stuff but magic yeah, not magical girl, girl idol stuff. yeah that's i mean yeah, the, we, the ones that are actually what we have watched we can both talk about show by rock which we've spoken about before but there's not much to say that's true it's just uh it's good kind yeah of. it's good i mean it's yeah. it's a, it's weird because it, it's in a city where like every person who's in a band is kind of magic just like mm. being in a band is the superpower it's just, <laughs> um, just grants you magic because yeah why not um but, yeah but there is like definitely like magical like they they really love to show like the music like spreading out over the audience and like a giant like crystal wave it, it looks like the uh the scene from little witch academia where there's it's actual magic but it's not they're just playing a guitar and some drums no because don't forget don't mediocre forget, j-pop don't forget that actually there's a crystal inside everybody's heart that comes out when they really love a song and that gives them energy <laughs> don't forget that ben that's core yeah, that's, that's key true. key like show by rock law that's how they get their fucking powers and get ranked in the stupid ranking just fucking dumb. Oh. <laughs> oh no, a dumb anime, Andy. A dumb who, who idol anime. Who would have thought? A dumb Sanrio. I don't know. It's just the, and then the Sanrio element just makes it even weirder, I guess. Well, how they all turn into tiny, like chibi CGI characters yeah. you know, while they're playing too. Yeah, because I guess yeah. they're easier to animate. Which is something that, like, is it like Aikatsu or whatever? The one that's like got the like where they like have like really complicated CGI dance things. Um, in between going back to traditional animation there is that too but that's a little again a little bit more on idols than on magical girls i thought i thought also when were we not thinking of like symphogear as well i, mean, I, brought, I brought that duncan up duncan probably was <laughs> i mean have you actually watched that andy so because i haven't like, watched it i just know that i mean it's it, battle singing yeah i mean idols. it's it's basically taking the whole um I think it's far closer to something like uh, Kill the Kill than it is to uh, others because it is once again like a a battle anime and like the song the fact that they're singing is kind of arbitrary it's just what happens to power up their things and and like I don't think like there's any real I mean maybe it changes like it's just like that. It's it's chrome. It's it's it doesn't feel like it has any any real meaning further than the the stuff I already talked about in terms of like um, idols and uh, magical girls both just being these like centers of attention and like uh, these expectations on them to like take on the weight of entire communities and and yeah. still remain perfect and not. Uh, mess up in any way and like I don't think it's it's got anything more than that it's just it, yeah, it's just a similar thing to heroes though isn't it like you, they're living to an ideal that's yeah, why they say uh, never meet your heroes because that ideal will be broken I mean like there's the there's obviously parallels between like the superhero transformation and the magical girl transformation it's it's hmm. it's just um apart from maybe the um, the sh- the uh, 
the Captain Marvel, Shazam stuff. There's not many examples in Western uh, superheroes of uh, children becoming adults when they transform. Like that's mm-hmm. that's something which seems to be more. Um, well, in confined. Animorphs, they transform very much into adult animals. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> I feel like we are. Are we reaching the limits of our expertise here? <laughs> yeah, it, it seems so. Right, seems and on so. that note, write, review, and subscribe. Well, yeah, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, Andy, do we have actually before that? Do we have any emails? No. Oh, I asked so much. Okay, yeah, we've, we've done this joke before. Rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Find us on Twitter at keyframes pod find us on facebook search for keyframes podcast uh email us questions to keyframes podcast at gmail.com and of course tell a friend but you know not any friend i'll probably um tell the last friend who who suddenly had to like disappear for a bit and then the person attacking the monster or whatever looked just like her but you're too fucking thick to realize put two and two together Sure. <laughs> the, the, the worst part about that was that I I realized I paused for Andy to say something. I haven't. I haven't. I've lost the instinct to bulldoze through this. No. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some love- self reflection. <laughs> but in the meantime, say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.